Good morning and welcome to Christ the King this morning. We begin us with a brief word of prayer, then we'll hear a call to worship followed by our opening hymn. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for this good day. We pray that you would turn our hearts to you this morning. Help us to praise that which is most praiseworthy, you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would deliver us this morning from all coldness of heart, from all wandering of mind, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen.
Page two of your service leaflet. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, and this is the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Having heard God's law, we can only respond with a plea for mercy. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The Lord be with you. Together, let us pray. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your faithful people, that bringing forth in abundance the fruit of good works, they may be abundantly rewarded. When our Savior Jesus Christ comes to restore all things, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now, amen. Please turn in your supplemental hymnal, that is the green hymnal. In your pew racks, our song of praise is by faith. These are organized alphabetically, so our song of praise by faith.
first lesson is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The word of the Lord. The second lesson is Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The word of the Lord. Please rise. Again, turning to the supplemental hymn, O oh, Love of God, How Strong and True. This is our gospel hymn.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our te testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, may this spoken word be faithful to your written word, and together may we encounter Jesus. Amen. Please be seated, and again, welcome to Christ the King. We just sang in our song of praise, By faith the prophets saw a day when the longed-for Messiah would appear. We're in a sermon series looking at images of the Savior, the Messiah who would come. And each week, looking at a particular Old Testament passage that gives us a glimpse, an image of the Savior. These are pivotal images from the Old Testament, creation, Moses and the Ten Commandments, David becoming king, but today, God's covenant with Abraham. It's a call, it's a promise, and it's relevant to us because it points us to God's purposes in the Savior. For as Paul writes, the Savior is the visible image of the invisible God. 
Now, I think there's a pitfall that we sometimes fall into when we look at Old Testament stories, and that's that we imagine that the character we're reading about is the hero. And as good Christians, we try to get something out of the passage we're reading, and so we presume, well, if they are the hero, I am too. Some of you may be more familiar with this reference than others, but I think it's a helpful reminder that more often than not, the character is the anti-hero. And more often than not, so are we. As Taylor Swift sings, some of you knew it was coming, Hi, it's me. Anyone? I'm the problem, it's me. The reminder that these are images of both faithfulness to God, but also times where we have a picture of a very human reaction to following God. So as we look at these images in this series, we'll follow a simple pattern. There is something that is true of the original, that is even more true of Jesus, and therefore there is something that is true for us. You can find some sermon notes on page 11 of your service leaflet. So first we'll take a look at what is true of Abraham. My house right now is a pile of boxes because our family is getting to move on Tuesday. And we're not moving far. We're about moving about 500 yards across campus. But here's the thing. Moving is hard whether you are moving 500 yards or 500 miles. While we're only moving 500 yards and we know we are where we are going, Abraham had it a bit harder. You can see in our reading from Genesis... Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go. Abraham is being sent to God. And where is he being sent? He doesn't know. Where is he being sent from? All that he does know. All that is comfortable. As the story continues in Genesis, we find that Abraham was 75 years old. We find that he has a wife. We find that he has a family, he has a country, he's accumulated wealth and possessions and people who work from him. And so to go meant leaving that family. It meant leaving the blessing of the inheritance that came along with that family. We find the simple word of his obedience. So Abraham went, as the Lord told him. So first, Abraham is sent from comfort. But Abraham is also promised by God. We see right in verse 2, God's first promise, and I will make. Abraham is promised, Abram is promised by God that God will do great things in and through him. It's important to note that it does not say, I will make you great. It says, I will make of you a great nation. In other words, God will do something in and through Abram. And most importantly, who will do it? God will. I will make you great. Excuse me, will make of you a great nation. This is about God's work and God's plan. And it is for God's purposes that Abram is blessed in order to be a blessing. Look down at our passage, verse 2 and 3. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Furthermore, in verse 4, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Excuse me, verse 3. I love family names. When we were naming our children, it was a fun chance to review the names that were still in play uh, in our family. Now, my wife Mimi's grandmother's name is Margaret. Molly, our daughter, is a lesser-known nickname for 
Margaret. And that's because many of the nicknames for Margaret have already been used up on one or the other side of our family. When Mimi's grandmother was brought home from the hospital, as the story was told, my mother-in-law happens to be here this morning, so you're welcome to correct me afterwards. When baby Margaret was brought home from the hospital, her sister gave a new name to her that described all that she saw was true. Teeny. This is a teeny baby. For the rest of her life, Margaret has been teeny. Names are significant for Abram as well. Abram's name means exalted father. But God's purposes for Abram will be summed up in the new name that God gives him. Abraham, a name that means father of many nations. And that's because God's promises are not to exalt Abram or make him great. His promises are for the blessing of many. The nations. All of the peoples of God. What is true of Abram will be even more true of Jesus. Turn to our gospel reading, or perhaps don't, because it is likely a verse, if you know one from scripture, that you know. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Further, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so we find this same pattern of being sent, promised, and blessed to be a blessing. Jesus is sent. There is no doubt he is sent from a much greater comfort and situation than Abram was. The comfort of heaven, the comfort of intimacy with God, fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he's sent to an imperfect, sinful, and fallen world, full of anti-heroes. Abram is sent but to a place that God tells him will be much better. Jesus is sent, but to a place that he knows will be far worse. But, just like Abram, Jesus is sent with a promise. That though he gives his life, though he perishes, those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The promise is not a temporary one, but an eternal and everlasting one. And so Jesus is blessed in order to be a blessing to those who follow him. He won't save himself as the, at the cross as the jeering crowds desire. Instead, he will save the world. He'll be resurrected, not for himself, but that those who follow him might experience resurrection life. We sang in O Love of God How Strong and True these words. We read you best in him who came bearing for us the cross of shame. Sent by the Father from on high, our life to live, our death to die. We read your power to bless and save, even in the darkness of the grave. Still more in resurrection light, we read the fullness of your might. And so because of this, what is true for us? You can turn to your Galatians reading. I know I'm having you flip a lot. Did the rare priestly prerogative of having us read both lessons assigned together. Galatians 3 uh, is where Paul addresses God's covenant with his people. And the summary of the verses comes before is Paul's reasoning of how this relates to us. It says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness 
and therefore those who believe God are children of Abraham. The gospel was extended to the Gentiles to us by God's plan for all the families of the earth. And in Jesus, the blessing of Abraham comes to us and we receive the promised spirit of God. But Paul's audience is wondering, as you might be, well, how does that really apply to us? Isn't God talking about somebody else? In verse 15 of chapter 3, Paul begins to address this question. He says, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. In other words, when there's a ratified contract, a covenant, God isn't going to wipe it out. Mimi and I just uh, purchased our first home this week. And the term ratified contract is one that I now understand is very important. Everybody must have the copies of the ratified contract. You must sign the copies of the ratified contract. You must sign them and sign them and sign them a lot at your closing. It's a little illustration that reminds us of the finality of the, in our case, legality of what's being agreed upon. And Paul's point is this is an example from everyday life that the promises made are good. They're valid. And he goes on to say that the promises made to Abraham are also made to his offspring. And the word there in the Greek that Paul uses means a singular offspring, as in one forebear, excuse me, one uh, child who would come. Now, Paul and the other New Testament writers all agree that that singular offspring is Jesus. And because that singular offspring is Jesus, we are part of the plural offspring of Abraham. That it is only through Christ that we receive the promise that Paul refers to. And so verse 29 is the climax of his argument. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. My two sets of grandparents took very different approaches to the concept of an inheritance. My father's parents wanted us to experience uh, the blessings and what they had worked hard for during our life. And so uh, I remember vividly you know, opening the envelope as a 12-year-old with a check in it and having no concept of what that money meant, only that it could probably buy a lot of baseball cards. They took us, each of the, the grandchildren, on a trip when they were in their 70s. They wanted us to know and experience the blessings of inheritance while they were alive. They took out a reverse mortgage on their house in order to commit to that. My other grandparents took a different approach. And as an adult paying for grad school, starting on the path of adult life, receiving an inheritance from them was a timely blessing and something that though there was pain and grief, it was something that I knew that they had set aside that we might experience that blessing in the future. Here's the thing about the promise that we receive as Christians, the inheritance that God has in store for us. It's not like the path chosen by either of my grandparents. 
It's both. Jesus desires that we would receive a a foretaste, that we would experience the blessing, the promises that he's made to his people now. And that furthermore, we would experience the fullness of his kingdom, the fullness of his love in an eternity with him. And so what was true for Abraham and the promises he received is even more true of Jesus. And it's what God desires to be true for you. That you would know his promises. That you would experience blessing. But let's think about what this really means for us. Let's think about the ways in which we can relate to Abraham. The ways in which we are sent from comfort. The ways in which which we can be encouraged by God's promises and the ways in which we are blessed in order to be a blessing. Now, our family, you'll see from this story, lives a funny life. We live on a boarding school campus. Uh, My four-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Molly, has moved, well, will move on Tuesday into the fourth home of her life. It's a funny existence. We have 40 teenage girls who are our neighbors because my wife, Mimi, is the head of a dorm. It means that we haven't, until this week, owned a house. Refer to my previous illustration. But here's the thing. We realize that we have a unique blessing in that to think about how we might have a place for our family, but also that would be a blessing to others, a place where we could get away, a place where we could invite our kids, a place where we could invite others into God's creation, into relationship, away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. As I've been thinking about this passage and this sermon this week, and also signing a lot of documents at a closing, the question for me hits home. For this, which we experience as a blessing, how will we use it to pass on this blessing to others? And I think that's a valid question for each of us to ask as we think about what is next for us individually and what is next for us as a church. Where are we called to go? Where are we sent by God? Where can we show Jesus' boundary-crossing love? Where have we been blessed to be a blessing? Now, for each of you, that's probably going to be different depending on your age and your stage of life. You may feel like you have not a lot of time, but you may have resources. You may feel like you have time to give, but not a lot of resources. You may feel like you have energy to give. You may feel like you're in a season where you feel alone, but you have relational love to give. I want you to think about where you might pass on what God has given to you where you might encourage someone with the blessing you've experienced, where you might encourage someone with the promises of God. Hebrews 11 is a chapter that chronicles the faithful of God. And it it starts off by saying that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And it goes on, it tells us about Abram, and it it chronicles the ways in which he was faithful to God. And the refrain, which inspires the song that we sang, is, By faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. 
By faith, he lived in tents. By faith, even Sarah was enabled to bear children. By faith, by faith, by faith. And for us, as our song reminded us, by faith, the church is called to go. In the power of the Spirit to the lost. To deliver captives and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. And so, we stand as children of the promise. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we consider what's next for us. We consider what work God has for us to do. Our story, if we added to what God has written in Hebrews 11, might have a similar litany. By faith, we've trusted God these last 15 years as a church. By faith, we've seen God provide a home for us. So by faith, what is next for us to do in this place, in this very building? By faith, we've seen God grow his church. By faith, we've more recently seen God reunite a family. Who is next for us to love? By faith, we have seen God at work in us and through us. We'll close our service with a prayer that we pray every Sunday together. I think it's my favorite prayer in the whole service. I'm not sure if priests are allowed to have favorite prayers, but it's the post-communion prayer, and this is the line that I would like to pray over us and have us consider as we close. Father, send us out to do the work that you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. Show us what is next. Show us where you're sending us. Remind us of your love and your promises and help us to pass on the blessing that you have not just intended for us, but for all the families of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise as together we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who got the begotten of the Father, of heaven and God, life and life, true God and true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father.
Please be seated as we continue in prayer together. Let us pray for the church and for the world, saying, hear our prayer. For the peace of the whole world and for the well-being and unity of the people of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear. For all the clergy and people of our diocese and congregation. Lord, in your mercy. For the Ministry of Carpenters Shelter for our upcoming gift drive. Lord, in your mercy, for our nation, for those in authority, and for all in public service, especially Joseph, our president, Glenn, our governor, and Justin, our mayor. On this weekend of Veterans Day, we commend to your gracious care and keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad. Defend them day by day with your heavenly grace. Strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils which beset them and grant to them a sense of your abiding presence. Especially for Stu and Zach during their deployment. Lord, in your mercy, for all those who are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, especially Drew, Kristen, Richard, and Myrna. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, Grant these our prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now let us join together as we confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. We may delight in your will and walk in your ways. The glory of your name. Almighty God, have mercy on you and forgive you of all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in everlasting life. Amen. Please rise. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please take a moment to exchange a sign of peace with those around you.
Welcome to Christ the King. Just a few announcements from me and before I turn it over to the head of our Building and Grounds Committee. Parents, please go, uh, if you, looks like there's already an exodus, uh, but parents, uh, go pick up your kids if you have not already left uh, uh, to do so. Turn to the back of your service leaflet and you can see a few notes from me, events coming up uh, this today and in the near future. There are signups for several important events for the women, uh, a hike, uh, later on this month, as well as our Women's Christmas Tea, which is a, a, very, a, much, a very important and beloved event uh, in our church calendar. Um, you can see the confirmation classes and communion classes and membership classes. Uh, Men's Academy will wrap up. It's a great joy to gather with a, a handful of uh, gentlemen on Wednesday mornings at 7.30. The last occasion will be this coming Wednesday. Uh, about what four or five months ago, you know, as you many of you know, we uh, ended up purchasing this building, and soon after the purchase of this building, the vestry established a building and grounds committee, tasked with maintaining, repairing, and developing this property for the long term. There have been several events, uh, several uh, meetings of this body with the building and grounds committee. Elise Darden is the head of that committee and has an update for you. Good morning. On behalf of the Building and Grounds Committee, I want to give you an overview of our activities since the purchase of this property in June. Um, first, as you are likely aware, the committee has overseen several repairs and improvements to our property. All of our repairs can be found listed on the Christ the King website, as well as in printed material, uh, material that's available to you in the foyer. Um, so I am not going to recite all of the many projects that we have um, uh, completed to you this morning. However, I do want to highlight that our biggest repair project so far, which will take place this week, is the repaving and the restriping of our long neglected parking lot. Um, I want to give a very heartfelt thank you to Judy Pelafutis, a member of this committee who has shepherded this project over the past several weeks and months, and we are grateful to her. Second, we want to thank everyone who has participated in our work days throughout the summer, most recently, also in October, you have no doubt observed the gradual improvement of our lawn and our beds. And I thank Stacy Julian, another member of our committee, who leads our groundskeeping ministry to maintain our property until we are able to implement a long-term landscape plan. And speaking of long-term plans, we want to give you an update in the wake of our very productive congregational meetings that we held in August. As you know, we are blessed on our committee to have a licensed landscape architect, Kirk B. Ryder, a member here at Christ the King who is giving his time and his expertise to develop a plan for our outdoor spaces. Kirk will be sharing some preliminary concepts with the vestry in mid-December, prior to a larger reveal to the entire church congregation not long thereafter. And we are very much looking forward to seeing that. As for the indoor spaces, we have similarly been blessed with the expertise of Jessamine Robinson, a licensed interior designer and a member at Christ the King, who led our indoor congregational discussion and who has assisted the CTK staff in reorganizing the church offices and the classroom spaces. Now, going forward, 
the committee has determined that we will need the additional expertise of a licensed architect, either to expand or to modify our building within its footprint. In that regard, Jessamine will guide a process of formulating requests for proposal to solicit bids from outside architect firms who have experience both in mid-20th century architecture and with sacred space design. We will seek their help to design a master plan, a schedule, and a budget to align with our vision for the indoor spaces. We hope that we will be in a position to select an architect partner in early 2023. In the meantime, I invite you to read the wonderful summary of the results of our indoor congregational meeting that is in material available to review in the foyer just outside the back doors. Now, in conclusion, we thank all of you for considering, considering prayerfully how you can continue to support all of our efforts to make needed repairs, to maintain our building, but also to be able to make those improvements and changes that will bring our vision to full fruition in the future. Heretofore, we have been accepting financial contributions to the 127-1 fund, so named because of our need to build our church. The fund went in very large part to the purchase of this property and the remaining money, which has a current balance post paving the parking lot of a little over $100,000, has provided for the emergency repairs and improvements that we have made thus far. Now that we are looking forward to the future in earnest, we are renaming the fund after Psalm 84. So I hope to close with that beautiful hymn, which now guides the work of our committee. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. How lovely is thy dwelling place. Thank you all for your continued support in making that so. Thank you. Thank you, Elise. Uh, the amount of work that the Building and Grounds Committee has done has just been phenomenal. I encourage you to uh, take a look at the work that they have done, the reports made and progress made. We'll be out the doors and to your left. We rearranged the foyer to account for, well, there's more information available. Again, out the doors to the left. Our education and formation wraps up this Sunday. It'll be a little bit of a change. I've encouraged uh, everybody to uh, try to memorize some of the catechism questions that we've been going through during our education uh, class, both senior high, junior high, and all of our ages. So all of our ages are going to start here for a brief competition uh, following service. It'll be at 10.15 or soon after service concludes. And from there, you will split to your classes. If you are our guest here, we're a very warm welcome to you. Do us a favor, fill out one of those response cards. You can place those in the offering plates and when they come by. And now let us ascribe to the Lord the honor that is due his name. With offerings come into his courts, as today's offering will now be gathered. Sure. 
Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, it is our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For he is your living word before time and before all ages. By him you created all things, and by him you make all things new. Therefore we praise you. We join our voices with angels and archangels, with the whole company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. seated and continue in prayer with me. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. When we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and Virgin Mary he became flesh and he dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup of wine. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Therefore, together we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our salvation, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We offer you these gifts, sanctify them by your holy word and by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with you that you may dwell in us and we in him and in the fullness of time put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face all this we ask through your son Jesus Christ by him with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit almighty all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray.
together. We do not presume to come to this year table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious death, that we may more dwell in him, and he in us. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them, remember that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith and with thanksgiving. of God for the people of God. Thank you. 
Page 8 of your service leaflet, excuse me, page 9, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and to serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, the honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of his Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest with you and remain with you always. Amen. Our closing hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, hymn number 362. Thank you.